Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Primer. I'm, as always, your host, Chris McDonough, and I'm here with my very good friend, Todd Severe. He is a 20-year veteran of the mortgage industry and the director of sales of Tabor Mortgage. Hi, Todd. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. How are you doing today? Very good. You're making me feel very tan. Yes. Well, I'm yeah. the I'm the ghost of real estate past, <laughs> as always. <laughs> this, this is me post-summer, if you're wondering. And I do have tan lines, so, you know. I'm, I'm working on my tan. So I wanted to have you on because you have a really unique view into the industry of real estate, being that you are on the loan side and you work so well with agents. And the primer is at its foundation about those, and I'm going to repeat myself, foundations of real estate um, for agents. So wrapping your head around the mindset, the tools, the different things you need to do to be successful. And I really wanted to talk to you today about what you're seeing in the market currently and um, you know what ways agents can position themselves to really maximize the relationship with their loan partners. So what they can do. So I want to start by just the market currently. What what is it that you're seeing? What the hell is going on? What's happening? Um, yeah, I mean, so like you said, I'm about 20, 20 years in right now, and and uh, it is a tough market right now for everybody. Um, I I manage a lot of LOs. I talk to a lot of realtors every week, and I, I joke with a lot of folks that my job is about half therapy right now, um, <laughs> trying to keep keep people up and, and positive. Um, it is a tough market. I, I believe we're really in the the eighth inning of this slowdown, and things will start to get better probably uh, beginning of 2024. But but things have changed a lot. This you know this market real estate is all about change, and and certainly in the last three years we've had crazy crazy change going from the lowest rates ever, the most dynamic market ever, to very quick acceleration in late rates, and a real change in in the people that are looking to buy, the type of loans that are out there, um, and really who you need to be prospecting for, the type of prospecting that you're doing. Yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely a challenge because it's, I always say when I'm coaching people, I'm like, we have to really operate from a fact, a place of facts versus feelings, because that's what everyone does. Um, I saw something the other day where they were talking about John Stewart and how John really raised people of our generation to have an opinion about the news, about politics, about the economy, and therefore because we were raised by him on TV at night, we all have this just sort of knee-jerk opinion of, about everything. So thank you and no thank you, John, for that. But the media headlines, I mean, the media is doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're generating clicks, they're generating subscriptions, they're generating attention. And you don't generate attention by going, hey, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> so the sensationalization of what's going on is leading to a ton of feelings in the market. And it's really challenging. Like, what are you doing at the loan level? And what are you seeing agents doing that 
really combats that that push and pull of the media headlines versus the reality of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the media is going to focus on the, the negative, uh, typically what gets people to click through, what creates a big reaction. Um, what we're really trying to do, like you said, is talk to people about the facts of the market right now. Um, the big fears for people, you know, interest rates are high. Is there going to be a big crash? Prices are high. Am I, am I going to buy now at the top of the market? And it starts to go down. So we're trying to talk about the re reality there. Um, you know, I, I went through the, the crash back in 2007, 2008, uh, and it was a tough time, but it was a very, very different time than, than right now. The I, I was part of the, you know, the subprime lending world back in those days. And we were doing a lot of loans for people with really low credit scores, without verifying income, without very verifying assets at fairly high rates. A lot of those were adjustable rates that started to creep creep up over time. The reality of the market right now is it's the tightest underwriting guidelines in history. Um, so anybody that's got, got a loan in the last decade, we know they can pay for it. They've got good credit. They've got assets. Almost everything is a fixed rate mortgage. I don't think I've closed an adjustable rate mortgage in probably 10 or 15 years outside of some really obscure portfolio programs. And most of the folks out there refinanced or purchased in 2020, 2021 when rates were really low. So they're, they're sitting on fixed rates in the 2 and 3% range. Um, and that creates a problem for inventory because they don't necessarily want to go move out of that 2 and 3% interest rate into the six, seven, potentially 8% rates that we're working with right now. Um, and there's not going to be a flood of foreclosures because, you know, all those loans were heavily scrutinized, underwritten very, very, you know, down <laughs> to the very, very precise detail. Anybody that's gone through the, the process recently knows. So there's not going to be a flood of things coming to the market. So we have this problem with inventory. People, you know, they really call it the housing trap. You've got all these people in two and three percent interest rates. They don't want to sell. So as long as we have limited inventory, there's not going to be prices can't go down. You know, it, it's simple supply or supply and demand economics. Right. That back in the crash, seven and eight, a ton of inventory came to the market because people couldn't afford their houses. There was a downturn in jobs. A lot of properties came on the market. You have an overabundance of supply, prices go down. There's just nothing showing in our market right now where we're going to see that flood of in inventory. So I think home prices are gonna stay steady, probably continue to climb here in Charleston. You know, it, it's not unusual to see double digit year over year appreciation. And I think that particularly once we get to some lower rates will continue. So I continue to think it's a good time to buy, to talk to people like you don't need to be scared that you're going to buy a house for $400,000 today that's going to be worth $200,000 a year or two from now. Um, we expect those things to go up and we also expect rates to go down. So you, you can you know, get the uncomfortably high rates right now, but should have an, an amazing opportunity to refinance into something a little bit more normal in the next few years. Yeah. Um, and and the, I guess the, the other big thing on that is just the cost of waiting. I mean, I've I have, I've been working with clients, you know, some people are really, really scared about this stuff. And we'll, I'll wait to see if it goes down. I'll wait to see if rates go better. And I, I've got a clients where I, I keep this spreadsheet of every scenario I put together for them where, you know, a year and a half ago, we sent them something that was a three and a half percent rate on a $200,000 house. 
And in that year and a half, that two and a half or two hundred thousand dollar house is now worth two seventy five, three hundred thousand, and the rate's seven. And by trying time trying to time the market, they really 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 hurt themselves. Um, even if you know price, what we're seeing right now, once again in the, in the Charleston market, you could wait for the rates to go down a point, but if the house goes up ten percent in value on a three hundred thousand dollar loan, you may have saved a few thousand dollars in interest payments and lost thirty thousand of equity in the house. Yeah, I, I've been in the industry since um, 2015, I think 2014, 2015. And so I wasn't involved in the crash. And in my time, it there's never been including now, there's never been a time that wasn't the best time to buy. You know, there was a time in yeah. the past that was the best time to buy. But there's never been a time in the future that I've ever known about, heard about, whispered about, like, oh, you want to wait. Like, there's no, no one's hiding the secret from the public of like, oh, there's this pocket of time in the future where you're going to really make a good deal. I mean, there is, but no one knows when that is. And yeah. I think, I think something I'm seeing a couple of agents doing and not, uh, most of them are not are going into depth about why. Like if you put your market report up and don't give any context to it, that's that's meaningless. Most most laymen don't understand what a market report means. So yeah. no having conversations with experts like you and being able to regurgitate the information that you give us to the public through our social media, through our newsletters, through whatever, whatever channels we're working on. That's, that's the most important thing. Like, don't just say now's the best, now's a great time to buy. Don't believe the headlines. Now's a great time. Well, tell us why and back that up with facts and statistics, because those are really, whether you're getting them from your MLS or your subscription inman or your sub keeping current matters subscription, whatever, add, you know how to alter your market reports, add, add statistics, show them the year over year, show them information as to what, what you just said. I'm comparing this period of time to this period of time because everyone's just, I feel like everyone's just reading the headlines and not getting into the meat of the articles. And they're just forming these very strong opinions about what they should and shouldn't be doing solely based off of the headlines. And I'm guilty of that. When I yeah. catch up on the news, <laughs> I just scroll through the headlines and I'm like, I got it. I got it. But if there's some, but if I was in the market for buying a house, I would, I would probably dig deeper on some of those things. I would, I would hope I'm, I'm, I have yeah. one of those two to 3% rates. So this is my forever home. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm probably sitting in, in, in mine as well, but you know, it'll change in two or three years. That's just the way the market is. Um, is. But I, back to the point you were making about, you know, your lender and, and agent working together. I think one of the things that can really help is having a unified message. Mm -hmm. If, if your, your buyers, your clients are out there and they're reading the headlines and they're talking to three or four different agents and they're out shopping every lender in the country, they're going get, to get very confused with that information out there. And then everybody's got an uncle that knows, you know, everything and, you know, bought a house 15 years ago and wants to tell you how it is. <laughs> but if you have a really good, solid 
partnership with your agents. And that's one of the things I pride myself on doing is you can have a, a unified message there that makes sense where you really dive in and explain the facts. It's like, you got to live somewhere, right? Rents are going up like crazy. It's not like rents are going down. You can go have a, a cheaper alternative out there. Um, and if you buy a house now, it will be more expensive if you wait. You'll have an opportunity to refinance when, when rates go down. There's really not a, a, a cheaper solution out there unless you want to go live with your parents or if you've got a family member that'll let you, you know, crash on the couch. Yeah, exactly. I've heard from a lot of people because of the challenge that challenges that we've been talking about that the lead quality that they're seeing seems to be lower than it was in previous years. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm I'm smiling about that. Um <laughs> uh, that is absolutely the case. I mean, I think like we talked about the people people took advantage of the the low rates in 2020-2021, the people with perfect credit um that wanted to refinance purchase took advantage of that. Um, so the market right now, you're getting a lot of folks that really you've got to focus on people that need to buy. So we're getting, you know, I, I think if you talk to any loan officer and probably any realtor in the country, we're seeing a lot of really, really wacky scenarios. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing more mobile home uh, mortgages than I ever have in, in my life because it's it's an affordable solution for a lot of people right now. Yeah. Um, looking more at condos. Uh, we're looking at more like bridge loans to, to remove home home sale contingencies. But I, I think on that lead quality, everybody across the board is, is feeling that right now. And what we're trying to do as much as possible is focus on those people that really need to, to move right now. Um, you know, relocations are, are a great example. Charleston continues to be a place where a lot of people want to move to. Uh, so if you're moving from out of state here, if you need somewhere to live, rents are high. You're looking at purchasing. That's a great opportunity to to focus on those clients that are relocating. Um, also, your people that are downsizing or upsizing. If they're they've added family members and they need more bedrooms for the kids, or if they're retired and live in a big four thousand square foot house and want to get something that's a little bit more simple, those type of I think that's where there's a lot of opportunity in this market. And and also creating those unique solutions for people that. Maybe, you know, when everything was easy and great, some of those folks got kicked to the wayside a little bit by some lenders and some agents, but you really need to work to create unique solutions for those people right now. You're on mute. Someone rang my doorbell. Sorry. The the joys of working from home. I was like, the yeah. dog's going to bark. I'm going to mute myself. So that that looking for people who have to move is is really important and the the good news is those lower lead quality we say it's lower lead quality you're just getting an influx of top of funnel leads like the and I, the way i look at it and this might be incorrect but they're sort of the people who were really ambiguous about their decision making they're late to the game and they're seeing the benefits of the people who did buy in those two, 3% days. And they're like, well, now I have to do something before it gets worse. So they're, they're just, you know, they're just sitting at the top of the funnel. So for anyone listening, it's, we say lower lead quality, you're just getting a huge percentage of top of funnel. Keep nurturing those people, keep loving on those people until they get down into the bottom of your funnel. 
Um, so when you're when you're talking to the people who are qualified to buy in whatever scenarios, how I mean, real estate agents aren't supposed to advise on things that they're not licensed with. So, you know, getting into the specifics for people isn't isn't it something we want to advise you to do. However, being able to tee up your loan officer with that that mirroring language that you were talking about earlier, like the more I talk to you, the more I'm going to pick up on the language that you use, the um, you know, the phrases that you use. So I can tell you, hey, my guy Todd, he's going to do this. This is what he's going to say, you know, prep them for the conversation using that common language. And then when I pass them to you and you really crush it and bring it home with getting those those calculations for them really, really specific, I feel like is a, a great way for agents to have that handoff. But you have to invest in that relationship. You have to spend time with your LO. You have to talk to them regularly and have a basic understanding of the market so that you can filter out these people before, you know, two plus people spend time on them and they can't, they really can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it comes down to when markets are hot, when it, you know, when the rates are crazy low and buyers are flooding the market, there's a tons of properties. A lot of people get into the habit of being order takers. It's just the phone rings, write down what we need. They're under contract, going going to line, get them closed. And these type of markets, you really need to build that relationship with your lender partners, with your clients. Uh, one of the things, uh, the first time I ever heard it was uh, from your husband, Mike, uh, <laughs> which I, I continue to teach to, to loan officers and, and agents that I meet with is, I, I still think it's just a great phrase is that you have to outfriend the other guy. Um, and it's not about just sitting down and being like, okay, here's the number, here's this, took your order, here's what you can do. It's like, really dive in. Why do you want to buy a house? I mean, there's a lot of people that are sitting on the fence right now. So you need to dig into what is the motivation to buy right now? It's not just, well, the rates are as low as they've ever been. So I need to get this in. We're probably going to be working with these people longer. We need to build rapport, build a friendship and really cater to their needs. Like my, my family's expanding or I got this amazing dog, doesn't have a yard. I, I need to get some space for that. Or this house is way too big for me. The house is way too small for me. And continue to talk to them about the reasons they want to buy. And that those reasons don't change when the markets change. So you, you need to be unified with your agent, with your clients on that, reaching out, friend, befriending them, building that rapport and delivering on what they need. Yeah, but and people... And this might sound contradictory to what I said earlier, but people are more adept than ever at sniffing out a fraud, at sniffing out someone who is inauthentic, who's just trying to sell them. And of course, you know, there are there's a percent for you. For those of you who may use those tactics, probably not listening to me right now, but it, that's there are people in the population who don't pick up on that. But I think by and large, everyone's much better at picking up on when you're trying to sell, when you're trying to fluff something up that is needs to be inflated. And I think on the other side of that coin with our influencer culture, 
a lot of people are, a lot of people are trying to be something that they're not. And that authenticity, the genuine conversations, people can tell when you care about their best interests. And I think really leaning into that is extra important in in these times when you you don't know what to trust, you don't know what information is real, you don't know which yeah. photograph you're seeing has been photoshopped or not. <laughs> so I think uh, taking away that layer of I need to be a certain way, you know, like earlier. The guy rang my doorbell. I could have gone, oh, we got to refilm this. It's got to be perfect. No, it doesn't. I mean, unless I throw up on screen right now, this is usable content. You know, I'm human. You're human. My dog's going to bark. I might get the hiccups. It it happens. So trying to lay, filter out the filtering, if you will, is, is really important because I, I think that's getting through to people and you're getting more you're getting more out of those leads when you are attempting to really get to know what they want and why, because there's 20 other people ringing their doorbell or calling them up that, are you ready to go look at houses? Are you ready to get pre-approved? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And they're, they're not ready and they're not going to be ready for a while. This is the people that are going to be patient with them and work on their timeline that are ultimately going to get the reward of representing them, I think. Yeah. And I think something you hit on there is the authenticity. You know, one of the things I learned in, in my 20 years in this business is when I got in, I was relatively young, didn't have any experience in the in the business or in finance. I've got a master's in screenwriting, so I really had no right to start doing mortgages. <laughs> and I went in thinking, you know, I have to be this perfect robotic loan officer, just by the numbers, by the book person. And you know, after, you know, five, after five years or so, I got in some coaching groups and people started talking about just be yourself. And I'm a little strange. And, you know, um, and one of the reasons I, I love you and your husband, we're all, we're all a little weird. Um, we really are. You know, we're totally and weird. You we're find not for everybody. That, <laughs> the, you find the people that you click with and you end up having really authentic, lifelong relationships with them, as opposed to just going down the narrow line of this is the script I've been taught to talk to say, or this is the thing I need to do here always is just really open yourself up to those relationships with, with your lenders, with your realtors, with your clients. And once I started really being a little bit more of myself, um, my business, you know, grew exponentially after that. It does. And it, it does a few things. It scares away. That's probably not the right term to use. It, it doesn't let you convert the people that you don't want to work with. Yeah. When you're trying to please everybody, I experienced this as a new agent. Um, you know, I I needed to make money. I would work with anybody, you know. And as I got more su successful, I was able to become, be more myself, less having to mirror what everyone was doing and try to, you know, be their person when I was like, God, this is such a chore. <laughs> This is such a chore, but to be with people that are naturally attracted to my personality, to the way I talk, to the way I communicate, that means you, it's like for like, you're going to be naturally attracted to them and you're going to be able to work with, you might have some challenges, but you're going to be able to work with people that you enjoy working with. So 
it's not that, that you don't have that friction of, oh, I, I, I can't stand this client. Like you're going to attract business that wants to work with you. And I think that really helps you to grow your business because once you start being a magnet for those people, they're going to tell their friends who of course are also in the same vein and they will send you referrals. Um, and I, I think that's really important too, because you, someone that I read a lot of their newsletters said once that nobody fangirls over great value or the up and up brand. Um, it's no one, no one's got a fan page dedicated to that. And I'm sure I will get people like, yes, there are, here's a Pinterest page about the up and up brand. Uh, but most people don't get excited one way or another because it's for everybody. And so if you're, you have to be, you have to repel to a degree, a certain portion of the population in order to excite another portion of the population, I guess is the point I'm trying to get to. So what type of, what type of products are you selling people right now? Like you said earlier, you were getting really creative in your, your loans that you're doing and the, the situations that people are getting in what, what's really working for your clients as far as the loans. Yeah, I mean, we're doing, you know, in previous years, I would say less than 5% of the loans we closed were what I call like alternative financing, if it's portfolio, some kind of specialty product. It's about a third of what we do right now, um, just because there's so much need in the market for it right now. Um, our partner parent company has below market rates for non-owner occupied properties right now. So if you've looked at the, the loan level price adjustments, which maybe is getting too technical for some, but Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have really tried to discourage non-owner occupied um, purchasers because there's such limited inventory. So they bumped up the rates essentially for your second home buyers and your investor, investor buyers. So we came out uh, with a product. It's similar rates, but it's without all the discount points, with all, all those adjustments. And we've been working with a lot, primarily investors and some second home buyers. Um, bridge loans, we're doing a, a ton of those. If you don't know what the bridge loan is, essentially somebody's got a house to sell. It's not selling yet. They want to go buy the, the new property. Uh, we can create a loan, a bridge between those two properties, short-term financing, so they can buy the new place while the other place sits on the market and sells. Um, that's also really big right now because with limited inventory, a lot of stuff's multiple offer um, and your sellers aren't necessarily uh, accepting offers with home sale contingency. So that's a good way to get around that. Um, you know, we're also doing, you know, for your self-employed people, a lot of bank statement loans or DSCR loans, which are, are great for investors. And then, you know, probably everybody, I'm sure, is sick of, of hearing about two one buy downs and three two one buy downs. Uh, but we are still doing a, a good chunk of those. Um, should I explain what those are? Do you think everybody knows what, what that stuff is? I think you should explain. I think you should. Okay. So the, the two <laughs> one buy down is a, a 30 year fixed rate that's got a reduced rate in, in years two and one. So right now, if, if market right now, I think as of today, 7.25% for a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so the two one buy down in year one, your rate would be 5.25% and year two would be 6.25%. And then years three through 30, assuming you keep the loan, it would be that 7.25%. Um, so we've been doing a lot of that, which I, I think in this market in particular, it's a very good tool because we do expect rates to go down in the next two years. So, you know, you can essentially get access to those future rates for a short term right now with the expectation 
before you revert to that 7.25 in two years, you're going to be able to refinance into something cheaper. Uh, we're also doing something via tri-party agreement, which gets really technical, but I really explain it. I think the easiest way to explain it is what I call the builder hack, which you'll see a lot of new construction builders are offering rates in the fours, five, sixes, way, way below market rates. Mm -hmm. um, and they're essentially purchasing a tranche of money, paying for it themselves at, at reduced rates and offering that to the sellers. We have a legal instrument we can use, which I won't get into the details of, but it essentially allows people to, to really buy down their rates if they want to using seller paid closing costs. In traditional financing, there's ATR, QM, high cost calculations, which is not this simple, but generally means you can't buy the rate down more than two points. Um, but there are methods you can use to buy it down. We've been doing a lot of those recently for clients to get, you know, 30-year fixed rates down in the fives. They're not adjustable rates that are permanent rates in the fives right now. Yeah. It's it's nice that you have so many options for people yeah. because if if I saw something that said, oh, the rates are really high, followed by, but here are the solutions we have for you that will make this more palatable for you, make it easier for you to get into a home. I just, this is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have you on because I feel like I follow, I have a lot of realtor friends <laughs> and I am following them closely. And this is the type of information that I feel like people need, you know, this is what they need in order to feel like they're educated enough to make a decision if they have to move or if they want to move. Um, to justify, you know, that higher rate and to get in before costs even go up. I mean, I think this is one of the reasons it's important to have a, a lender partner that you're really tight with and have a unified message for as well. Um, I'm sure none of the amazing agents that you work with, but, you know, early on, as we saw rates go down, I saw more than I've ever seen in my career, agents going, I know you don't like rates now, but I know there's a cheaper rate out there. And, and people were, you know, checking 10, 20, 30 different lenders. And if you do that, you just get such an obscure message. Everybody's going to give you a, a different point of view here. You're going to get a lot, a lot of online companies that are, for lack of a better term, doing bait and switch tactics, not really, don't really care about their local reputation, have no problem lying to people, misrepresenting what's available. Um, but if you have somebody that you work with closely and you know, like we work through these solutions, okay, you don't like the 7.25% right now, but we can structure an offer here where you're going to have a rate that's 2% lower for the first year, 1% lower for the second year, or we can find a seller that's motivated, that's willing to pr provide some seller pays and buy this rate down for you permanently, get you something in the fives or sixes. And of course, if they in the future, you can refinance if you need to. But I, I think... If you just go out everywhere, it's going to confuse people and, and you lose buyers, you lose leads, you lose clients. Yeah. And if you, if you as the agent don't have confidence in, I mean, of course we want our clients to choose whoever they want, but that message about the agent, you know, it's confusing to the client, but it's also reflects poorly on the agent when it's like, well, this is what so-and-so said, but let's go ask 30 other people. You know, we all have that person that we work with who's like, oh, they asked me the same thing. Oh, they asked me the same thing. Oh, they asked me the same thing. It's like that 
that reduces trust and respect for the person asking the question all over again, which ultimately is the agent, you know, to be able to point them to one or two trusted people is, uh, I think that's really good advice. And I'm glad. Yeah. You I mean, I, I think one of the best analogies I've heard about that is considering the, the agent, the doctor in this transaction, your family, family doctor. And if you go to your doctor and you're like, I got this problem, I got a broken arm, I've got some, you know, brand new disease. Do you want your doctor to say, you know, go check the phone book, see who you can find, see what's going on. Or do you want them to say, you know, here's the person that I would absolutely recommend, or here's two or three people that I know are really great. Talk to them and, and see who you like, see who you fit with, see you can provide the best solution. Um, I just, I think it makes everybody look bad if you're just like, go figure it out on your own. Yeah. Well, even you saying that, like, I felt comforted when you said the next one, you know, so it's, it's, it's really important because they're scared. They're making a decision against their better judgment and their better judgment is the headlines, their parents going, well, I wouldn't do that. And you know, the, the general consensus, they're already frightened. So education is absolutely crucial right now because the more educated you are about something, think about something that you thought you really disagreed with and then you learn more about it and you're like, okay, I don't really just, you know, it doesn't make me feel that internal friction anymore. I'm not angry about it because I understand it better. That applies to everything, absolutely right. everything. And I feel like that education piece is really lacking right now, um, especially with the amount of content that people are putting out. It's very surface. It's very, um, you know, and people, people fill in the gaps of what they don't know with their own experience. So if they've been, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of something nice to say, <laughs> if they've been screwed over in the past, <laughs> if they've been screwed over in the past, and there's a gap in information, they're going to assume they're getting screwed over again. You know, yeah. if they made a bad decision in the past with lack of information, they're going to assume they're making a bad decision. And it's the, the leap that they take in filling in that information, I can almost guarantee is not going to be filled with positive, <laughs> positive stuff. They're going to assume yeah. the worst and fill in that gap on their own. So it's our job as agents and loan officers is to fill in that gap for them so they don't have to get creative. They don't start to spiral and go off because once someone, it's hard, it's hard to get someone to change their mind. So if you're proactive and you're educating them out of the gate in this very friendly, helpful way, I said that the other day. So I was like, we have to outfriend the competition. And they were like, ooh, that's good. And I was like, that's a Mike, that's a Mike McDonough. I'm always afraid for people to meet him because I'm like, you're going to like him so much better than you like me. <laughs> He's so much better than I am. So anyway, um, that, that I think is really important. So for our team leaders out here who are, of course, agents find their own partners, but for team leaders who are looking for a someone to partner with, what's the best way for the, those people at the leadership level at the top to improve the relationship with their LOs, with their partners, so that it trickles down to the rest of the organization. What are some things they could do? 
Um, I, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've found throughout the years is, you know, you can make a great email and send out a great newsletter, but nothing really compares to just getting face-to-face -face with people. Um, the best realtor relationships, the best team relationships I've had throughout my career have always involved, you know, getting together as often as possible, getting face-to-face -face with people, letting them understand what you're talking about, having a back and forth conversation, not just here's the video I pushed out or here's the email I, I sent out, but let's get together and, and talk and sit in a meeting and bounce questions off each other and talk about ideas and, and brainstorm. So set, having somebody in your pocket or some people in your pocket that you know and trust, and then have them come in and meet your team, build those relationships and they might like some people, they might not like some other people, but that's really where you're going to build those authentic relationships. And, you know, it, we've talked about this before. If, if you're local with somebody you, you know and trust, it's like, I, I can't screw people over in, in Charleston. You know, our, our reputation it is all we, all we have here, really. Um, so we, we have to do a, a good job. I have to answer the phone call. I, you know, have to put out the fires when they, they come up. Um, so you need people local that can can help you in that uh, that situation. I know where you live, Todd. That's true. Swam yeah. in your pool. It's right, it's right here. <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I think all of this is is really important, and I hope everybody. I know everybody learned learned a lot today. I know I certainly did. So. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and love you and your husband. I love you too. And I hope to have you on. Maybe you can be a recurring guest and we can talk loan stuff. Anytime you want, Mayor. All right. Well, I'll see you later. Thanks for tuning into the primer and uh, we'll see you next time.